Well, that journey begins when we believe. Amen. Three weeks ago, I preached a message entitled, Are You a Believer? And that's, of course, had to do with our conversion. The next week, I preached about uh, living faithfully in a fallen world. And that's our commitment, a commitment to faithfulness, even though we live in a world that is extremely difficult. Today, I want to speak to you about faithful to the finish. That is our challenge. And I want to tell you, when we think about the journey of the Christian life, it's not something that is, you know, that is start and stop and go again. It's something that ought to be constant all throughout the entirety of our life. This subject is important to me, number one, because I am accountable to God and I don't want to fail. Uh, and from the day that I was saved, I've had the fear of failing. I, I was hot-tempered. I was prone to, uh, to quitting. From the time I was a little kid, I can remember as a boy playing uh, playing little league baseball, and I'd get mad. I've thrown my ball glove and bats over the backstop. I've cussed out the referees. I've walked off the field. I've just, you name it. I, I was an idiot. I mean, and uh, so uh, whenever whenever I become a Christian and uh, started this journey, my mother, dear old mother, and uh, but anyway, she said it won't last. And considering my track record, you couldn't blame her for that. You you'd had to know me. And, uh, you know, if you had known me back then, you would have said the same thing. Well, it won't last. He, he's, uh, you know, he, he's all wound up now, but it won't last. And But but, but then also, uh, there, there were some words my, my daddy said. Now, I'd had a lot of spankings from Dad, and I'd heard Dad say a lot of, Things, but there, there's only one thing that ever really stuck with me, and to this very day. And I can remember it was in the backyard, and, I, and the argument started over I was supposed to have the yard mowed, and uh, that was the old push mowers, you know, and didn't have a gas mower and stuff. But I, I remember Dad throwing a temper tantrum out there, and anyway, he made this. He said, "You'll never amount to anything." Now, I don't know why that stuck with me, but all through the years, I, I, I haven't been able to get a, a, away from that. And, and, and because of that, from the very beginning of my Christian journey, I didn't want to fail. Uh, I didn't want to be a quitter. I didn't want to give up. And, and then there was another thing. There was the misery that I'd put my wife through. And... Uh, I certainly didn't want to be a failure at this because I had already failed her in so many ways that I wanted to be, uh, you know, a success at, at something. I mean, that was the way I was looking at it. But but more than anything else, and this was entirely new to me, I, I'd never had this feeling before because I didn't know the Lord as my Savior. But But all of a sudden, I found myself not wanting to displease God. All of a sudden, that was the one main thing above everything else that compelled me to, to do everything I could to not fail, to not quit on God. 
And yet I knew how weak I was. And that's why I've often said Philippians 4.13 was one of the very first verses that I memorized. And I've said that over and over thousands of times. And, and to this very day, I cling to that verse that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I realized that I needed God's help. I wanted to be faithful more than anything else. I wanted to hear the Lord to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, all of that being said, there is another reason why this subject is dear to my heart. I don't want to see others fail. And, and over the years, I've witnessed the downfall of a great many people. I've seen families come unraveled at the seams. I've seen men that I had great respect for and confidence in. I've seen them do things that I absolutely would have never imagined. And, and, and whenever you love someone, it grieves your heart to see them crash and burn to see them wreck their lives and hurt other people, it, it just tears your heart out. And because of that, this subject is truly important to me. I don't want to see you fail. I want to see you be faithful to the finish. Now, sometimes the best way for us to understand something is to look at a, an example. And so we're going to do that this morning. The best example that I can think of is Moses, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 23. You can also find the summation of his life over in Acts chapter 7. And if we had time, we would read that. But I think this gives us what we need to know this morning for our thoughts. Verse 23 by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And through faith, he kept the Passover in the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I can't think of a better example for us to talk about this subject, because when I think about the life of Moses, it is absolutely amazing to me that anyone could start out with all of the odds against him, and, and to start out with all of the advantages that he possessed and to accept the challenge that God put before him and to stick with it through all of those years. The first 40 years, he was a somebody. 
As far as anybody knew, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was a somebody. I mean, he would be the apparent heir to the throne. He was a somebody. Uh, He had everything at his fingertips. He was educated in the best possible way. He had access to the fortune and the fame and everything of having, you know, Pharaoh for his granddaddy. The next 40 years, he was a nobody. He was a nobody because he had prematurely tried to deliver the Israelites from their bondage and killed a man. And so he fled away from his people and from the Egyptians. And in 40 years, he spends being a nobody. But in the last 40 years of his life, God showed the world that he can take a nobody and make a somebody out of him. And that's exactly what we see. But but I want you to notice, when we think about being faithful unto the finish, there are several things we see in his story that apply to us. At least seven things that I can think of. And the first one has to do with the fact that he listened to God. He listened to God. If you're going to be faithful, you've got to learn to listen to God. And we see that in Exodus chapter number 3. You don't need to turn there. You're familiar with the story, how that he's out there keeping the sheep, you know, and he's out in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, you know, he sees the burning bush, and God appears to him in the burning bush, and God speaks to him. Now, now keep in mind, this is after, after he has fled Egypt in fear of his life. Forty years of being a somebody now, he is a nobody, and he spent all of this 40 years. It looks like that his life is wasted away. It looks like he'll never be able to make any good contribution to the world in which he lives. And at that time, God spoke to him and revealed to him that, Moses, I have a plan for you. The plan was, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Now think about that for a little while. He is running in fear of his life already. And and God is telling him, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. You, You do remember Grandpa, don't you? Yeah. Go back to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. That That had to be a surprising to him. But it had to be more than surprising. It had to be a tremendous challenge for him to think about it. And, of course, he offered every excuse under the sun, right? He said, oh, man, you, you, of course, I'm paraphrasing naturally, but he, Lord, you got the wrong guy. I'm slow of speech. I'm not eloquent in speech. I, you know, I, I don't have any authority. Who am I? I mean, how in the world could you possibly use me? But he listened to God. And I'm telling you, just as God had a plan for Moses, God has a plan for you. Now, you don't have to go to Egypt. No, I mean, as far as I know, you don't have to go to Egypt. But God has a plan for each and every one of us. And success is this, discovering and doing the will of God. Anyone can be successful. You don't have to make a lot of money. You don't have to, you don't have to make a name for yourself and get your name in the headlights and so forth and, uh, and be famous among men. All you've got to do is discover God's plan for your life and do it. And until you listen to God, you'll never be successful. It doesn't make any difference what you accomplish in this world. 
you you can you know you can become famous you can become rich in all of those things that the world holds in such high esteem that boy when they bury you they can tell your story in one word chiseled on your tombstone and that's failure because all of us are failures unless we listen to God and fulfill God's plan for our life you know one of the one of the heartbreaking things about being a well, about being a parent. You parents know what I'm talking about, but in being a pastor also, one of the heartbreaking things is seeing people just on the brink of, of, of wrecking their lives. You, you can tell by the decisions that they make, the things that they do. You can see that they're headed for trouble, all because they refuse to listen to God. And so many times we wonder, well, why in the world did this happen to me? Well, I just don't understand. We get bitter at God. We question God. Why did this happen to me? It would have never happened had you listened to God. You know, we go crying over spilt milk and we're, we're the ones that, you know, that's guilty. It's, it's not God's fault. We reap what we sow. Don't blame God for it. And if we would listen to God, regardless of who we are, we could be a success. The Bible says that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We don't know how we ought to live. We need God's help, and God speaks to us through his word. So, first of all, we need to listen to God. Secondly, we need to learn to say no. Learn to say no. Look in verse number 24 again. It says that he refused. When you say yes to God, you have to say no to other things. He had to say no to the prestige of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now think about that. I mean, there are other people that would have given their right arm to be in that position. The prestige that went with it, he could walk down the street and there were people that would fall at his feet. There were people that would beg his favor. Everybody wanted to be who he was. And, and he had to say no to all of that prestige. But then notice also it tells us here that he rejected the pleasures of sin. Had to say no to prestige. He had to say no to pleasures. Remember, he's saying yes to God. He has to say no to the pleasures of sin. He also, he also had to resist the pressure that, that it put on him. Can, can you imagine being in a situation like he was in that all of a sudden, now having failed miserably, he is commanded by God to go back into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he has to say no to all of these things in order to be a success. You know, sometimes we have to say no to sinless things. We all know that if we're going to follow God, we have to say no to this. We can't do that anymore. We know that's wrong. The Bible condemns that. We've got to draw the line. We've got to say, no, I can't go there. I can't do that. But sometimes we have to learn to say no to things that are sinless. You see, in and of themselves, they're not sinful, but they become sinful when they become a stumbling block to us. 
whenever they hinder us from doing the will of God for our life, all of a sudden that sinless thing becomes sin unto us. And if we don't learn to say no to some things, then we're never going to, we're never going to be faithful to the finish. You've got to say no. Not only that, you have to let go of the past. You have to let go of the past. We, there, there in Exodus chapter number two, it tells us concerning Moses that naturally, you know, he realized his heritage that, that those people enslaved there in Egypt were actually his people. I don't know all of the details how he come to realize that because everybody thought he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But some way he come to realize that he, he was one of the Hebrew people. And naturally, having a desire to set them free, he initiated a plan, and that plan was to liberate them prematurely. He hadn't been listening to God, you know. He, he just makes a decision based on his feelings, and he, he ends up killing a man. And now we find him later on out there in the wilderness at the burning bush, and God is now telling him what to do. Wouldn't it have been great if he had listened to God way back then before he had killed that man? But now God, God is telling him what he wants him to do, but he has the past hanging over him. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people that are haunted by horrible history. They've had things done to them. You know, Moses could have said, I don't want anything to do with those people. He could have been so bitter because of the fact, remember, remember his parents put him in a little ark of bulrushes and committed him to the river. And he could have said, why didn't my parents want anything to do with me? I'm not sure he understood all of that. I mean, we know the reasoning behind it because the Bible tells us, but I'm not sure he knew all of that. And now he's killed someone, now he's running for his life. And in order for him to get ahead and to remain faithful, he's got to get past the past. And that's exactly where a lot of folks are. They've had things done to them or they've done things that to this day haunt them every single day. It might be things that they have had to endure. It might be things that they enjoyed. It might be things that they have engaged in. And as a result of that, you know, they, they just, for whatever reason, feel like that they just can't get past that. We've got to learn to let go of the past. You can't change the past. You can't do anything about it. I'm, I'm talking about whether it's something you did or whether it was something that was done unto you. You can't change that. It is what it is. And we've got to learn to let go of the past or we're never going to be faithful to the finish. Not only that, but we have to lean on God for support. Look in verse 24 again. Notice it says that it was by faith. But what is faith? Somebody says, well, you know, I've got a lot of faith. Well, what are you talking about? You say, well, and you know, I'm just one of those. I always have a positive attitude and I just believe everything's going to turn out all right because, you know, I'm a person of faith. 
Well, let me tell you, you've got faith in faith, and that's not anything to brag about, just having faith in faith. It's the object of our faith that makes all the difference in the world, and real faith is our confidence, our believing that God will keep His promises. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse number 6 So you can't possibly please God regardless of what you do. You can sing in the choir. You can teach a Sunday school lesson, uh, a class. You can can give 90% of your income. You can do all of those things, and you are still not living a life that pleases God if you're not living by faith. It's real easy to stand up and sing, you know, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Anybody can sing about it, but God says, I want you to live by it. Living by faith. And by the way, that's something all of us can do if we will do. You say, well, boy, I just wish I had that much faith. I wish I had much faith as old brother so-and-so. Well, listen, I can tell you where to get it. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you are lacking in faith, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Your faith can increase, it can grow, it can become whatever you want it to be if you will saturate your soul in the Word of God and have confidence that God will do what He said He would do. Uh, I was talking about not wanting to be a failure when I started out. And I'll never forget what Paul said. And and he was speaking about, you know, God being with us and God helping us. And he said, he that hath begun a good work in you will finish it. You see, God will finish his part of the work. God will do his part. God will not fail us. He'll be with us to the very end. And we have to simply believe that and trust him to bring it about. And that brings us to the next thing. If you're going to be faithful to the finish, if you're going to stay in it for the long haul, if you're going to complete the journey, if you're going to accomplish God's plan in your life, you've got to look to God. Notice in verse 27, it says, Seeing Him, that's God, seeing Him who is invisible. Now I want you to notice the words first. It says, He endured. He endured. That speaks volumes about his character. And it's all the more amazing when you consider his circumstances. You think about even after, you know, that he had delivered the children of Israel, and here they are wandering around out in the wilderness. And and by the way, you would have thought, you know, those people would have been so very appreciative for what Moses had done. Remember, he has said no to all of the treasures and the pleasures of Egypt. He's turned his back on all of those things. He has given himself entirely for the sake of delivering them and guiding them through the wilderness and to the promised land. I mean, that has become his God-given mission in life. And instead of them appreciating that, all they did was murmur and complain and made life as difficult as they possibly could. And yet it says he endured. I read his story, and I cannot help but ask the question, how? How did he endure? How did he put up with all of that? And even when it got down to the point that because of an error on his part, God said, I'm not going to allow you to enter into the promised land, 
He stuck with them. He stayed with them. He continued to lead them and to help them throughout the rest of the journey. That would have been an ideal time for him to hand in his resignation. He could have said, look, I've had it up to here with you people. I'm through with you. I'm out of here. Make it the best way that you can. But he endured. And let me tell you, a lot of folks don't endure. There are a lot of folks that start out good. They make a profession of faith. They walk down the aisle. They make it public. They follow the Lord in baptism. They join the church. They get involved maybe for a year or two years or ten years or whatever. And then all of a sudden, they're gone. All of a sudden, you couldn't get them into church with a stick of dynamite. You can't move them toward God. They have no concern about God. And and you see those that fail to endure. Listen, there has to be some reason why someone is able to endure and remain faithful to the finish. What is it? What's the secret? Well, he gives us the answer right here in the same verse. It says, notice, he endured by seeing him who is invisible. Let me tell you, that's the key for all of us. If you turn over just one chapter later in chapter number 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The very next verse says, consider him. And and if we're going to be successful, the only way that we're going to do it is to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about walking by faith, and that's what it is all about. It's keeping our focus on him. Now, remember... Moses had had met God face to face, in, in a manner of speaking, so much as is possible. God had manifested Himself to Moses. You remember He had the veil over over His face whenever He came back down because He was glowing as a result of that experience. But we're not talking here about some miraculous manifestation of God. This has to do with living by faith. Verse 1 says it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what he's talking about, looking unto Jesus. Notice, he says here, he endured by seeing him who is invisible. That's faith. Faith is being in banking everything you have on the God who is invisible. It's looking unto Jesus. It's considering Christ. And when we do that, It takes the pleasure out of sin. If you're truly a child of God, let me tell you, you cannot sin successfully. God's not going to allow it. You you, you can Listen, you can do it, but you won't enjoy it because the Spirit of God that lives in you is going to torment you day and night as a result of your failure. So as I'm looking unto Jesus day by day, living with my focus on Him, it takes the pleasure out of sin. It takes the strength out of temptation. It takes, it takes the fear out of doubt. So many times, you know, we're overwhelmed by, you know, what if? What if this and what if that? And, and doubts just absolutely cloud our mind and we become fearful. But whenever we have our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden those fears begin to vanish away. It takes the sorrow out of our suffering. 
Because whenever my eyes are upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and whenever I consider the exceeding great and precious promises that He's given, all of a sudden I'm brought face to face with the fact that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the called according to His purpose. Whenever I realize that everything I have is a result of God's grace and even the painful things that I am forced to endure that God says, I'm going to use all of those bad things for a good reason. How in the world can I complain? I mean, they've never nailed me to a cross yet. And by the way, if they did, I wouldn't have any right to complain. I deserve it. Jesus didn't. Consider Him. Think about what He went through. Consider His suffering. And notice there in verse 3 of chapter number 12, He says, you better consider Him lest you grow weary in your mind and you faint. In other words, you're not going to finish the course. You're not going to be faithful to the finish. You're going to faint before you get there. Why? Because you took your eyes off the Lord. And listen, it can happen to any of us. Now, let me give you a couple other things. And that's the fact that also we're able to be faithful to the finish because we love others. And, and I think this is to me the amazing part of the story. It says, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction. Now, notice this, with the people of God. His love for people was amazing. And, and I think this gets to the very heart of the matter, that when we love God, we're going to love others, right? I mean, you can't love God without loving others. So if you love God, you're going to love others. And whenever you love others, what do you do? Well, you sacrifice for their sake. Whenever Moses made that decision that I'm going to refuse all of the things that Egypt has to offer, I'm going to turn my back on all of that. It was not because of some personal gain on his part. It was not, you know, for the sake of him becoming famous or anything like that. It was why? Because he cared about those people. He, he wanted to finish the work God gave him because people were depending upon him. Do you realize there are people depending on you? You might not even realize that. And I'm not just talking about your family. Certainly if you're a parent, your children are depending upon you. But even if you're here today and you don't have children or your children are all grown, believe me, there are younger people looking to you, watching you, and they need you. They need your example. They need your encouragement. People are depending upon you. And we ought to have enough love for other people that we don't quit. Anybody can quit. That's easy. Yes, you know, just get mad over something and throw in the towel and quit. But when you really love others, you know, we talk about, boy, I love my church more than anything. Really? Really? Well, you'll get a chance to prove that sometime whenever, you know, everything's going wrong and what have you, and you're all discouraged, and you're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to have to make a decision that you either love God's people enough that you're going to stick with it and you're going to finish the work God gave you to do, or you're going to quit. And if you love people like you should, you'll do what you should. But there's another thing. Look at verse number 26. He says, esteeming, that is attaching value to, esteeming, he, he considers this value, the reproach of Christ, greater riches, 
than the treasures in Egypt. But now notice, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. If you're going to be faithful to the finish, you have to long for the reward that awaits you. There's not anything wrong with wanting a reward. And like the song says, it'll be worth it all. Don't ever underestimate the value of the rewards that you're going to receive as a result of being faithful. Somebody wrote that old song, It Pays to Serve Jesus. It sure does. And let me tell you, it pays eternal dividends. Eternal dividends. Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, my main motivation should never be what I can gain from it. But certainly, I ought to be motivated by the fact that God is not unrighteous, that He will not forget our labor of love. He'll not forget to reward us for the deeds that we've done. And although you are a Christian, the Bible tells us that you someday will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the deeds done in the flesh. Now remember, all of my sins have been covered by the blood of Christ. I never have to give an account of my sins if I'm a child of God. All of that's paid for. My final destination is set in stone, so to speak. You don't have to worry about that. There's no way that anything could ever keep me from going to heaven because of the fact that my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My relationship with Him is absolutely certain. I have eternal security. But don't you ever think for a second that it doesn't make any difference in how you live because it makes a big difference because the Bible says that we will give an account of ourselves at the judgment seat of Christ. And some of our works are going to be like hay, wood, and stubble. They're going to be burned up. And the others will be like the, the silver and the gold and the precious stone. And they will endure in that day. I don't know about you, but I want to be like the Apostle Paul whenever he said, I have fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, I finished my course. That is, Paul could say, I've been faithful to the very finish. I didn't quit, I didn't give up, I didn't give in, I stayed by the stuff, I fought the battles, I stayed with it till the very end. And it's important, and here notice that Moses is recognizing the fact that there is a reward for having been faithful. Let me give you a verse, and, and, and probably you've never heard anybody preach on this verse. It might be that you didn't even know it was in the Bible. In the little letter of Second John, just one chapter, but in verse number 8 of that little letter, we read these words. John says, Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. That is a warning. It is a warning that demands self-examination. Look to yourselves. Examine yourselves. Be sure. Notice, what is the goal? What is the aim? The aim is that we receive what? A full reward. But, but and notice, he says here in the warning, that we lose not those things which we have wrought. Do you realize that you can lose what you had when it comes to the rewards? You can lose what you've gained. 
You can win rewards and turn around and lose some of the things that you've already gained. And he says you ought to look to yourself that you receive a full reward, that you don't lose what you have already gained. Now, I know maybe somebody's thinking, well, I'm not all that worried about those rewards. You know, the Bible talks about all those different crowns and stuff like that. But, man, just as long as I know I'm going to heaven when I die, that's all I really care about. Well, let me tell you, you'll change your tune when you get there and you realize how important rewards are. You see, the Bible tells us that we're going to cast our crowns down at the, at the feet of Jesus there at the throne of God. Now think about that for a little while. When we get to heaven, and all of a sudden, all of our works down here as a Christian have been examined, and we are rewarded for what we've done, how do we best express our love for Him? How do we show our devotion to Him? Well, it's by these crowns that we've won through our labor here on earth. Our reward... Our reward is the evidence that we loved Him, that we were devoted to Him. And listen, those things we win are not things to gloat over. In other words, you're not going to go skipping down Hallelujah Avenue saying, Hey, look at me! I won this, you know, I won this for doing that. And here, look at this reward, I won this. No, no, no. You're not going to be bragging about anything you've done. But all of those rewards will be the means whereby you can display your love for Christ by just casting them all down at His feet. And all of a sudden then, these rewards become of great value. But, you know, the sad thing is, sometimes sometimes we live like it really doesn't matter how we live. Sometimes we live in a, in a way that uh, is not only unbecoming, but that's unproductive. Someone wrote an old song many years ago, and it expresses the way that I feel when I think about that, that I don't want to stand there empty-handed. Wouldn't that be terrible? To stand there, you know, and, and no crowns, no, not, nothing to express my love. The song says, Must I go and empty-handed, thus my dear Redeemer meet? Not one day of service give Him, lay no trophy at His feet. Not at death I shrink or falter, for my Savior saves me now. But to meet Him empty-handed, thought of that now clouds my brow. Oh, the years in sin, sinning wasted, could I but recall them now? I would give them to my Savior. To His will, I'd gladly bow. Oh, you saints aroused, be earnest. Up and work while yet tis day. Ere the night of death overtake thee, strive for souls while still you may. None of us know how long we have. You know, we like to, we like to, Think about, well, maybe we've got a lot of years left, but we don't, we don't know that. And some of us sometimes, you know, we get to, we get to maybe kind of worrying about the fact, well, I don't think I've got many more years left. We don't know that. What we do know is that the time of our opportunity is limited. It comes to an end. 
The night cometh when no man can work, Jesus said. And it matters greatly whether or not we are faithful until the finish. And in that day to be able to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That makes everything worthwhile to realize that that I never become famous. I wasn't rich. I had to endure a lot of things that other people didn't maybe. But that's all right just to know that he is pleased by what we've done. That's all the reward that we need. I'm telling you, it doesn't just happen that a man or a woman is faithful to the finish. It does, not something that just happens. It's something that happens as a result of the things that you do. And here in the story of Moses, we see at least seven things, reasons why this man remained faithful through all of those difficult years and accomplished God's goal for his life. I, I hope that'll be your story when it's all said and done, that you'll finish faithfully to the very end. Let's all stand together. And if you're here and there may be some things you need to say no to, there might, might be some of the other things that we've mentioned this morning that you need to deal with. In fact, it might very well be that you need to go back where we started three weeks ago and ask yourself, am I really, truly, honestly a believer? Have I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior? And I'm telling you what, if you haven't, none of this other stuff matters. All of the things I've talked about this morning, none of that's important. None of it matters until you become a child of God. That's the only thing that should matter to you right now. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? And if you don't, you can right here, right now, this morning. Father, we just pray that you'll speak to hearts, that you'll change lives, that you'll save souls, that you'll accomplish your will with each and every one of us, that we'll be willing to say yes to your plan for our life and to say no to everything that stands in our way. Help us, Lord, to endure. Help us to be faithful to the very finish. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. While we sing this morning, what would God have you to do? Search me, O God, and know my heart today.
while we keep singing and these folks are praying, if God's speaking to your heart, it might be about something we haven't even touched on, but but if you haven't learned to listen to God, listen to what He's saying to you this morning, and say yes. imagine what a sad story it would have been had uh, Moses, and, and by the way, he tried to get out of it. He, he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not able. He said, send Aaron. Let, let Aaron go. Excuse me. But what a sad story it would have been for those people in bondage. Had Moses said no to God and God have decided to just drop it right there, all right, if that's the way you feel. Just leave those poor people in bondage. And sometimes we don't realize how much we lose and how much other people lose as a result of us saying no to God. That, it, that's never the right decision, folks. If God is speaking to your heart, whether it has to do with salvation or baptism or anything whatsoever, do yourself a favor and say yes while you have that opportunity. You, you can be seated. We're going to have our ushers to come and we're going to receive this offering for the